over last, this morning we're going to look at uh, the acts of compassion. But you remember over the last couple of weeks, we're in the, what we call it, we call it the silly season because we all preach different sermons. But the interesting thing is that there's a theme coming through. Chris, a couple of weeks back, he talked about acts of kindness. And then he talked about God's passion for the lost out of Luke chapter 15. You remember if you read that? And there's three different stories there. And you remember what he taught us, that in the Jewish tradition, if something is said three times, that's for emphasis. And there are three different stories. You know, there's a lost coin, there's the lost son, and there's the lost sheep. And in each one of them, God has a party every time they, they find the sheep or the coin or the sheep is found or the son comes home. Well, this morning... As I was thinking about it, I was talking through with Chris and I thought, well, you know, one of the things I've noticed in ministry, you know, as we pray for people is God's compassion. God is very tender. And when people come in their vulnerability to God, I notice how there's not judgment, there's always compassion. So this morning we're going to look at acts of compassion. And The scripture that comes to mind is from Psalm 103, verse 13. And it's become a verse that's a favorite of mine. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And this is the bit that really gets me. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. In other words, he knows what we're like. And Rick read out there from Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 about Jesus, the fact that he sympathizes with us, with our weaknesses. Why? Because he was flesh just like us. He knows what our struggle's like because he's been a human being. And God knows what we're like. He knows our struggle. He knows what we're about us. But he has not judgment, but compassion on us. Well, this morning, we're going to consider three things. We're going to look at, well, what is compassion? Examples of compassion and how can we be conduits of his compassion? That's an important one. So, what is compassion? Matthew 9.36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, it's very interesting here. Not I'm a Greek scholar, but if you find out the Greek word for compassion in that scripture, it means to have bowels of yearning. In other words, when Jesus looked out and he saw the situation with the people, he saw that they were, they were harassed. He, he didn't just go, oh, there, there. There was something in him that just stirred him. That made him feel compassionate to the point that he was upset. Jesus' insides moves because he saw how harassed and helpless people were. Now, what's a biblical definition of compassion? Now, I did a little research here. And for those of you who are the, the kind of the intellectual as, you know, who like the intellectual aspect of the sermon, we're going to do a little bit of that. One definition is God's compassion is not just talk and feelings. You see, we can feel compassionate, but God doesn't just have talk about it and has feelings. But his compassion is full of action. He desires to and blesses mankind because of his compassionate nature. So, when God saw the condition of the human race, when we 
fell away from him, when we disobeyed him, when we organized our lives apart from him, when we rejected him, God sent his son, Jesus, in the fullness of time. Paul, in his writings in the Romans, in the, Romans, the book of Romans, in the New Testament, he put it like this. He said, God demonstrates his love to us. That while we were sinners, while we were away from him, Christ died for us. It's Romans chapter 5, verse 8. So here's the point. God's greatest act of compassion was to send Jesus. You see, when he saw the state that we were in, he was moved with compassion. And he sent his son in the fullness of time for us. Even when we were at odds with him. That's powerful. Because if you think about it in human terms, it's easy to have compassion on someone that you like. Yes, it's no problem, is it? But I've got some people at work that, in the natural, I would want to batter them because of their behavior. I'm telling you, yeah? You know, uh, one of my favorite sayings is I would want to bless them with a brick. And I'm telling you, it's been pretty close at times. Now, especially when these people are sitting down there telling you this, that about yourself and telling you that you are this and that. And I'm thinking, and who are you? And you don't know me. You only see me at work, but you are giving me a, a, psycholo- a psychological analysis of who I am and why I do this and all the rest of it. You don't know me. You, don't spend, you never talk to me. But yet you want to make a, 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 a description and a judgment on me. And it's at times like these that you don't feel particularly compassionate. You just remember that you were like that with God. You, 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 you know, you, you, your thoughts about God were not thoughts that you want to share with other people. But God sent his son for you while we were like that. Therefore, if we're looking for a definition of Compassion, having synthesized these ideas, let's put it like this. Compassion can be defined as acts of mercy and kindness that are based on an inward desire to see men and women released from suffering, pain, sickness, despair, addiction, and released into the freedom and liberty that God has for them in his son Jesus, through his son Jesus Christ. That's compassion. You know, wanting to see people released from sickness, released from pain. Jesus kind of put it like this. He said, when he was in the temple, and you need to imagine this. They don't know who this Jesus guy is, but he was his normal practice to go to the synagogue on, a, I suppose, a Saturday. And he walks in and they have scrolls. The scriptures are on big scrolls. And he answered the scrolls. Everybody's like... Mm-mm-mm. What's going to happen? And he reads out Isaiah 60. The Spirit of the Lord is now upon me that I might proclaim liberty to the captives, etc., etc. In other words, he's saying, look, this is the God that I am. I'm the God who's coming to release people in sickness, to release those people who are in pain, to bring liberty to the captives, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Because that's the kind of God that I am. I'm not come here to make you a lot worse. I'm not coming here to tell you that you're a sinner. You know that. I've come here to bring you release from your captivity. 
to bring the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, to bring joy where there's mourning. Where you'll be depressed, I'm going to give you hope. That's what I've come here to do. Jesus is God's act of compassion, and he personifies God's compassion in action. So, let's just consider some examples of compassion. Luke 7, 12 to 15. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Here's the situation. Jesus understood the situation. You need to understand that if you are a widow and you lose your son, there's no welfare state. You're destitute. If that boy dies, that woman is finished. There's no one to look after her. So he he intrinsically understood the situation here. That boy was the only means of economic freedom and financial viability within that society. There was no poor house. You know, this is, you know, the first century BC. Your family is the means by which you gain a measure of economic freedom because if your family can work, you can make money and you can look after yourself. If you lose as a woman in that society, no husband, no son, you're as good as dead. His heart, he says, is moved, not with just pity, but the action he took was what? He raised the boy from the dead. That's compassion in action. He didn't just go, well, there, there. Here's a few pennies for you. Uh, maybe that will manage, you know. No. He realizes the economic situation here requires for divine intervention. And he raises the boy from the dead. Let's look at Luke 15, 20. Now, this is the prodigal son, and it's come up most weeks. Chris talked about it last week. I talked about it a few weeks ago. And it's Luke 15, 20. Now, we know the story of the prodigal son and the fact that he asks for his inheritance before his dad died, which is a major insult. You shouldn't do that. But his father gave it to him. Tells you something about heart and father. Anyway, he went out and spent it in, on loose living, is what it says in there. And we'll come into it, verse 20. Having basically spent all the money and had his head in the trough, swine flu, not a good thing to do. So, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, he was eating the says stuff with the swine. I'm thinking, didn't he know about swine flu? <laughs> so he got up and he went to his father after he'd come to himself. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And what it tells us is that every day, the father was looking for his son. And it says, he was filled with compassion. His bowels yearned within him, same word in the Greek. In other words, he yearned for his son. And it tells you about something about the father's heart. That while we were your enemies, God was yearning for us. 
Wanting to walk with us again in the cool of the day as he did with Adam in the garden. He wanted that intimacy with him. Just as God wants that intimacy with us. He ran with total abandonment. Now you remember what Chris said about that that last week. People who are regal and royal in that society don't run. In fact, if you know anything about people who of status, they move more slowly the more status they have. You watch Prince Charles and that, they always stand with their, hand behind, their hands behind their back and they nod their heads. And they don't, they're not in a hurry. The more people of large status, it says, tend to be more frenetic. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> but the people of higher status, they're... Mm-hmm. they're they have poise. Yeah? Now, what the father did was not poise. It was, my son, my son. And he ran. Now, of course, he must have hitched up all this stuff. And all the people in the field must have been, you mean that man is running after that worthless boy? That's what they would have been saying. But not the father. The father's, that's my boy. And he's out of there. You know, you can see it. One of those Hollywood movies as the father runs in slow-mo, you know. And the son is walking towards him and his eyes are getting big. And he's wondering, is he going to kill me? Oh, he's going to love me. <laughs> you know, and, it, and he said, you know, you can see it. You know, that's me, Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> Famous for, for uh, film producers from the 19th or 20th century. If you could have seen the slow-mo of it. But he wants... He gets to his son and it says he embraces him. Well, that's not something they normally do. But of course, he wants the son to experience that embrace just as the father wants to run towards you so that you can experience that divine embrace. He wants to celebrate his return by having a party. He wants to bestow on us as Henry Nguyen in his wonderful book. And in fact, Linda, I have to give you back the copy of it because I borrowed it off you and I haven't returned. And conviction has just come upon me as I said it and I've seen you. (laughs) Yeah, I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm not giving a book because it lent it to me. Oh, you can read it. I love the book so much. Anyway, he wants them to wear the robe of honor, the ring of inheritance and the footwear of prestige. This act of compassion results in an investiture and an inauguration of the son back into the family. This is the father saying, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, I love you, I accept you, welcome home. That's the heart of father. That's the act of compassion. You don't deserve it, but the father receives you unconditionally not on the basis of your performance an act of compassion how we can be conduits of his compassion you see when you see that it's John 8 1 11, the religious community who should have been there to offer compassion to that woman were there throwing the stone but Jesus comes and he reaches out a hand. And you know, that act of compassion is what God calls us to do. You know, can we reach out a hand to help? Can we listen to our friends and our neighbors who are in pain with empathy? Can we obey his prompt 
to just speak to someone across the road. You don't know their situation. You don't know their circumstances. Let me give you some examples. I'm walking to work one morning, as I do. I walk, it's only seven minutes away. Eileen and I work in the same place. And I walk across Dunstable Park, and they've got the Growth Theatre there, and they've got the Gary Cooper, which is just a, it's a restaurant. Walking one morning, and I see this lady, Sharon. She used to go to church many years ago, but she'd fallen away and fallen on hard times. So I said, oh, morning, Sharon. And Sharon's sitting down, and she just said, will you pray for me? I said, well, of course. You know, I said, what's the situation? So we just pray God's blessing on her. Other morning, I was going to put some rubbish in the bin, and we kind of separate the rubbish out between you know, paper and you know, the other kind of rubbish. So I walked around the front, I was in my dressing gown, and I see Mike. Now, Mike has lived on the road with his wife, Christine, for 30-plus years. He's in his 60s. So we begin to talk, and Mike says to me, I'm in a war at the moment. I said, what do you mean? He says, I've got a tumour on the brain. Every day, taxi picks me up and takes me up to London, and he tells his story. So I just said, well, Mike... And he says to me, my brother is a vicar and he's prayed for me. I said, I'm going to pray for you, if I may. So I put my hand on him and I just begin to pray God's blessing. And all of a sudden, tears just rolling down my face. The compassion of God comes on Mike. And he's, he's shaken as well. And I didn't pray for long, but God's compassion just connected with him. Compassion connected with his wife and family. And it was just a few minutes. Pray for him. And he just kind of went, well, thank you. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, I've got tears all over my cheeks. I'm a bit you know, embarrassed. But God's compassion. Another instance. I'm walking home from work one day, walking up, as I do. And laid across the road. She's not there anymore. Her name's Joe. She's got here with her little son. And we just, we're talking as she's coming out of the car. And she just begins to share some of the stories. So she's all coming for a cup of tea. So I have a cup of tea and we're chatting. And then I says to her, you know, I'll pray for you. So begin to pray and the compassion of God comes down. She's weeping, our tears are running down my face. And God's compassion comes on her. Not judgment because of her situation, but God's compassion. She started to come here for a while. I'm at college. Eileen uh, and I had shown a business idea concept to this couple. And lady was Suzanne. They didn't get. They weren't that interested in it. But one day, Suzanne comes into college. I say, oh, "Hi, Suzanne," and she says to me, "Oh, I and Andy have broken up." I said, "Oh, I'm sad to hear that." And she starts to tell a story. She starts to cry. I said, "Well, I will pray for you." So we just go to her appropriate place, and we pray. And God's compassion comes on the young woman, and we're able to just counsel God's love. And she said to me. I don't know why I came into college today. I have, I'm no longer a student here, but something said to me I had to come in. What you've you know, said to me is just help me, and she's gone. Now, you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a super saint. You just need to be available. Can you pray for someone and in a natural way? There are many, many opportunities for us to be conduits of God's compassion. Why? You've experienced God's compassion. You've experienced his mercy. Is it so that you can feel warm and go to heaven? No. It's so that you 
as a part of the many-membered body of Christ in that community out there might reach out and through you God might be able to communicate his compassion, his mercy, his love and his kindness to the community that needs it. And friends, they are more willing to receive it than you realize. And it's not the, the depth of your prayer that counts. It's your heart because the minute you reach out, God does the rest. And you don't have to be on top form. You don't have to be full of the Holy Ghost. You just need to be available. Because we excuse ourselves. Oh yeah, that's all right for Chris. It's all right for Dan and for Rick and for for the the full-time team and for Richard and that. But no, it's for everybody. We're here to equip everybody so that we can reach out into the community. With God's love and his compassion and his mercy. And can you pray? Can you just obey his prompts? Can you listen with empathy? Sometimes you may not get the chance to pray. Yesterday we were talking to a young man. We never got the chance to pray for him, but he came to share his, his stuff. You're at the wedding, you're on duty. Now we didn't get a chance to pray, but he had just a, we had to listen with empathy and maybe give some counsel with a few words. Our vision, it's church, and I took this straight off. Essentials 101 is to become a large church, yes, that will make Christ known in today's world through all means possible. Work and witness, kindness and compassion, media and technology to help those we reach enter into eternal life, eternal relationship with him. And there it was. I was shocked. But we talked about kindness. We talked about compassion. Those are part of our vision. And we just restated the vision that we're here. Yes, we use the technology. We, yes, we use all modern things. But the whole purpose is so that we can be conduits of God's compassion and mercy to a community that needs it. And you are the difference. Or put it this way. We are the difference. Wherever you live, wherever you work, God wants to use you To do acts of compassion. Acts of kindness. All we need to do is obey his prompts and be available. Can you be available? Let's ask God to work in our hearts. So that we are moved with the distress of others. I love Craig Greshel's prayer. I keep saying it. He said, Lord, stretch me. Lord, wreck me. And when he means it like that, let me feel people's issues. And Lord, heal me. And let's be willing. Just like Jesus did, he stretched out his hand to that woman. Don't you think that woman's life was changed forever? That one act of compassion changed her life forever. Let's be willing to be conduits of his compassion. Should we stand, please? Okay. <clears throat> could, could the band come up, please? Thank you. We're going to pray, and then the band will lead us in worship. Father, we want to thank you that you're a compassionate God. We want to thank you, Lord, that you didn't sit back there in judgment upon us when we were enemies. But you took action. You hatched a plan.
so that you could get back into that place where we could have intimacy with you, where we could walk with you in the garden, in the cool of the day. We thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that he is your act of compassion. We thank you that Jesus had compassion for the lost. He had compassion for those who had pain. And Father, we would ask you as your community, community of your people, that we would be a community that reaches out with compassion and with mercy and with kindness. That we would use all means possible to make Jesus' name known and his love made known and his compassion made known and his mercy made known to this grieving hurting community lord we stand before you now we ask you lord that you would anoint us afresh give us courage give us sensitivity give us your heart and your eyes so that we might see what you see and under your direction by your holy spirit be moved with compassion To reach out with your love, your mercy, and your compassion to the world that we live in. Thank you, Lord. Amen.